0: Alright, so, I will say I've got a couple of passages in here that are in some small books. So, hopefully too much of our time won't be spent me trying to flip through the Bible. Can't guarantee anything. But, uh, so, today, um, I'm going to be speaking on something that uh, God has been putting on my heart for for a while now. Um, I'm going to be speaking out of James James 1. Um, and I'm going to try not to take too long. I think I've got a, got a, got a lot to talk about, kind of like God has been like just pouring this on me. But um, as Kim Kardashian said to her first husband, I won't keep you long. <laughs> 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 so I actually got that from, uh, from a David Martin speech, so blame him if you don't like it. Uh, <laughs> Um, So so today I'm going to be talking about About the about the process because We're all on this earth and we're all still on this earth for a reason We still have Places to go things to do and ways to change and god is still working on us I don't believe that as long as we're still on this earth that god ever stops working on us. So today I'm going to talk about the process and what it means our part in it, and how we can take faith and joy even in the hard parts of it. Um, so a lot of that is mindset. So I've got a story here um, that, that, that talks a little bit about mindset. So there's also from the David Martin speech. Um, so there was this man. He had two sons, and they were contract opposites of each other. One of them was an optimist, okay? Everything is peachy, there's a good there's silver lining in everything, nothing can go wrong, the world is a beautiful place. The other one is a total pessimist, everything is awful, nothing is redeemable, everything is just bad, okay? So he thinks to himself, okay, all right, I wonder how far these personalities, are, these, personalities these mindsets are going to go. So what he does is when they're both asleep, they both have rooms across the corridor from each other, so when they're both asleep, he goes to the pessimist. And puts all of the toys and games and goodies and sweets that he can possibly fit into the room and fills it up. So it's got everything you, you, that a little child could want, and, and he's thinking like he should be gleeful. So then he goes to the optimist room, and he just puts a big pile of horse poop in there. Just a big pile of poop. And so he wakes up in the morning. and goes to first. He goes to the pessimist room, and. The pessimist in there. He's sulking. He's like, what? what's wrong with you? You've got all this stuff. He's like, Dad, come on, come on. Obviously, those sweets are going to make me fat. And then everyone's going to make fun of me. And I won't be able to, to run. I'm going to end up like you. <laughs> I, I mean... <laughs> Uh, and, and, and these, these uh, the, the toys, Look, all my friends are going to be jealous of me, right? I'm not going to have any friends because they're going to think I'm too good for them. How could you have possibly done this to me, Father? Dad's like, wow, <laughs> okay. So he goes over to the optimist room. And the optimist is in there, and he's having a blast. He's throwing poop everywhere. <laughs> Dad's like, what are you doing? And like goes, daddy, 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 with all of this poop in here, there's got to be a pony somewhere. <laughs> and I, I think that there's, there's, there's two different things. Well, you know, I'll, I'll just get into the, into the text. It, it'll explain a little bit better than I ever could. So flip to James 1. All right, starting in verse 2 here. It says, consider it all joy, my brethren, whenever you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now, there's going to be, there's two, two different parts that I think to, to the, this text. There's kind of two different, two different ideas I get from this. One is that there's a reason for your pain, that there's a purpose, that there's a process, And it's producing character inside of you. And the other one is, consider it all joy because you know. Just consider it all joy because you know. That would suggest joy is a choice. That you can decide to be joyful based on the truth. I think it would also suggest that you can only have joy based on what you believe and what is true. So, if joy is a choice, I think joy and happiness... I think they're two different things. I think joy is an inward decision, a a part of who we are and the way we live. And happiness is usually generated by our circumstances. So one of those is a choice. One of those is attainable. And one of those is is just going to go up and down and up and down. I think that if we go throughout our whole life looking for happiness obviously we're gonna end up disappointed a lot of times obviously that's that's not sustainable bliss isn't isn't sustainable it's, it it's just not it's not supposed to be because our trials are producing perseverance god cares too much about us to never develop or pursue or care about us letting us just live perfectly without any trials would be letting us be one not closer to him because our, our trials bring us closer to him and two less than the better version of ourself that he's trying to develop us to be so if if joy is a choice then we have to base it in then we have to base it in something right because he says consider it joy because you know so what is our joy placed in and a lot of times it can be all sorts of different things a lot of time our joy can come from our family right and then and, and that's awesome but our family is still infallible because we're still humans. Okay? Maybe it's in our financial stability. Still infallible, okay? There's the, there's no perfect rock foundation on this earth in any human, in any object, in any situation. The only foundation that is as solid as a rock is God. Because God is ever consistent, God is never changing, and God will always 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 love you and want what's best for you, so it's not, and it see because i I think that it's easy to think that that optimism and pessimism is a is maybe a personality trait that what we take joy in or, or how we react to situations is based on our personality and we don't have any control over that. He says, consider it all joy because you know. He doesn't say consider it all joy if you are ENTP, consider it all joy if you have good circumstances, consider it all joy if you were raised to be joyful. He doesn't say any of those things. Consider it all joy based on what you know it's based on what you know what you put your faith and you trust in will determine how roller coaster your joy is if you're putting your faith in something that's roller coastery coastery cook cook i don't know roller coaster i'll just say <laughs> roller coasterish i don't know <laughs> so if you put your faith in something like that that's where your joy is going to be your joy is tied to what you put your faith in not based on your, pers- not on your personality, not on your circumstances. Your joy is based in your faith and in what you believe in. Because here's the thing. Has anybody raised your hand? And if, if, you're, if, if you're so small that this hasn't, hasn't happened yet, then don't raise your hand. But you probably can't understand me if that's the case. Has anybody raised your hand if you have gone through a trial? Everybody, everybody's had tough times and everybody in the history of the world has always had tough times. That's not escapable, you guys. Nobody, even the person with the most picturesque looking life has gone through some tough times to get there, has gone through some trials, some temptations, has done things wrong and has done things right. We can't escape bad things happening to us because bad things happen to everybody. It's, It's part of life. And so instead of going around, because I think that this is an, an, easy, an easy thing to do, trying to live our life in a way that will protect and try and push against and avoid bad things happening to us. I think that's, it, that, 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 that's a very common way to live, and it makes sense, of course. But here's the thing. You're, not, you're, not, you're just not going to succeed. Bad things are going to happen to you, guaranteed. So instead of trying to... Avoid them. Let's prepare for them. What can we do now that is going to set us up for a a, a better mindset, a better situation when we when we get to those tough trials? And that, I believe, is what God is doing in us every day. That God knows what trials lie ahead. God knows where this is leading what's going to happen. God knows who's going to hurt us, who we're going to hurt, who we're going to lose, who we're going to gain. God knows this, and he's preparing for us in what we go through today for that. Because life is an ongoing, shaping, molding process. Go to Matthew 5, verses 10. Verse 10. I'll, I'll find out how far I go from there. Says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. See, not only is uh, is trials uh impossible to escape for the regular man but as a christian we're guaranteed it as a christian we are guaranteed that we'll be persecuted for our faith so instead of trying to avoid these persecutions get along with everybody so that everyone will like us and we won't ever get any insults at each other blessed are you who are insulted for great is your reward in heaven The prophets before you, they all got murdered. We're not going to avoid it. So how do we prepare for it is the question because here's the thing. If you aren't being persecuted and if you aren't being tempted by Satan, if you don't feel that Satan can can touch you, if if, if he just isn't even talking to you, the only reason he's not talking to you is if you're not a threat to him. Satan is not going to leave you alone as long as you're still doing god's work if you're doing God's work Satan will bring everything at you to try and deter you away so if you ain't being uh, de- trying if satan ain't trying to deter you you must not like b- be in this thing you must not be in this thing and, and and i say you i mean me included obviously i i like i have had hundred hundreds of times where i had an opportunity for, for God to use me, and, and, I, and, I, and I backed off, okay? But caring about that person w- would care about me. I get it. I'm, not, I'm there. I'm with you. I understand. But if we aren't being persecuted and Satan isn't trying to touch us, then, we, then what are we doing for the kingdom of God? Because God guarantees that if you are working for the kingdom of God, that Satan will come after you. You will be insulted. You will be persecuted. But great is your reward in heaven. See, that's, again, consider it all joy because you know great is your reward in heaven. Not consider it all joy because your family agrees with everything you say. Not consider it all joy because you've got a big house, you've got a big car. Not, con- not even considering it, consider it all joy because you have a wonderful family. Because even a family is 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 fallible humans are fallible so we need to take joy because we know we know one that our trials are developing perseverance and we know two that we are blessed for being persecuted for claiming the name of Jesus for great is our award in heaven and we can take joy because of what we know not our circumstances and so a little bit so that's that's a little bit of 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 truth and mindset that we can build in ourselves now by by reading it over and over and over again in the scriptures so that god will be able to help us get through the trials in a way that is more glorifying to him in the future because god is building and preparing us now for the trials that are ahead and so uh, one kind of i think it might be my favorite tool in the Bible, um, tool for uh, like for like changing your mindset and a tool for uh, shaping your thinking with the way of God's thinking. My, 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 I think it's my, my favorite tool for that, for that in the Bible, and it's Philippians four. I got a lot got a lot of scripture today, so we'll we'll get to it. I couldn't pick a big book like Psalms or anything. Okay. All right. So, Philippians 4, starting in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God is which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Uh, I've never sincerely thought about getting a tattoo. The only real tattoo. One, I was thinking about maybe getting one on my finger in case... Um, I have to take off my ring for something, but another one is tenurpalepe. F- f- few of you know know what that means, okay? But uh, I could put one on each knuck- knuckle. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy. Tenurpalepe. <laughs> it's not a great word, <laughs> but it would remind me of where my head needs to be. It would remind me of putting my thoughts above. It would remind me what to think about and how to comprehend life's circumstances. Whatever is true, what is true? What says right here, what is true is that these trials have a purpose, that these trials are developing you, and that God is working on you. And I could go through whatever's noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, but I got more to go on to. <laughs> this, is my, this, this, this is why it's my, f- my favorite tool because because I can use that as a filter inside my head. Whenever thoughts come in, I put them through the filter. Is that true? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely, admirable, excellent, or, Excellent or praiseworthy? I'm just going to say, is that chanerpolite from now on? Is that turnip ape? Dang, that doesn't sound like good. <laughs> I might change that. I don't know. <laughs> is that thought coming to my head? Is this circumstance developing in me thoughts of bitterness? Is this developing me thoughts of hopelessness? And when that thought comes into my head, like, this is hopeless, you're being punished you're not good enough, this is your fault, where are you going to go from here, you got no hope, anything like that, I need to remember, is that true, is that noble, is that right, is that pure, is it true that there's no hope, no, because God is developing hope, God is developing perseverance in us, God has the plan, God is the master builder, God is the is a construction worker god is working on us and we need to so back to verse, verse verse six what we need to do is be anxious about nothing but in everything in everything let your request be known to god see that's a, that's that's not actually that difficult of a thing to do right it's a, it, it, in fact it's pretty quick and easy it's just very easy to forget to or neglect to But he says in everything Let your request be known To God and the peace of God See God is developing peace In us through the process Of us Lifting our prayers up to him Through the process of us us Every day taking our Struggles taking our trials and Giving them up to God God is developing The peace which transcends All understanding But but why? Because I, 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 I think that the first, the, the first point of, 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 um, of, J, of James 1 here is that, that joy is a choice based on what we know. So we need to make sure that we're putting our faith in the right thing. And also that trials are going to happen. There's no escaping them. Now let's get on a little bit more as to why we have struggles. Let's dive just a little bit more into the reason behind it, what God is doing here. So back to James 1. Wrong way. All right verses 3 and 4, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This suggests to me that God has a higher calling of, of who we need to be. Now notice that the, those, those trials that those circumstances are not in our control and it's not our job to mold us. God is molding us. God is molding us. You see, here's here's my idea. Imagine you got a rock, okay? A big boulder. And it's it's just a hunk of rock. Maybe it's marble, maybe it looks a little bit pretty, but still it's a hunk of rock, okay? Now imagine a sculptor comes up to it And I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Michelangelo actually took two years, two, two years looking at the hunk of rock before he even started chiseling to make David. Because he was planning and thinking, how am I going to do this? And he was detailing every little thing that he was going to do before he even touched that rock. See, God has been doing that with us ever since before the beginning of time. Because God knows now. And now here's the thing. God is the sculptor. We are the rock. The thing is that God is going to have to start chipping away some things at us. Because if we're putting our faith in a roller coasty thing. I just can't get that one right. If we're putting our faith in that, God needs. Because here's the thing. God wants that rock god wants us to become mature and complete lacking in nothing god has a plan for us god because god is working on us and see it, it's, it's not always going to feel good oh, oh, if, if you're a rock and you're being chiseled that with a hammer and stone that's not always going to feel good now there might be that sometimes when he's maybe if we're going to keep going with this analogy, maybe he sands the stone or something, but that's 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 beside the point. That's, that doesn't work. If, oh, I knew it was going to fall out. <clears throat> Let me just get this guy figure out here. That doesn't work. So, if God is the sculptor, it's going to take a long, long time before that rock is ready. It's gonna take a lot of trials, a lot of patience. But here's the thing Does the rock know what it needs to look like? The rock thinks it's a rock and it's happy being a rock. It's a rock. <laughs> Does anyone besides the sculptor know what the sculptor's thinking? Cause while well, you're chiseling away at a rock, cause it it kinda like a Bob Ross painting. Okay? When you look at a Bob Ross painting, he starts off by doing this random stuff that does not look like it's gonna work. And eventually he somehow performs this thing into a painting and it looks good. I don't I, I still don't get it, but anyway. It's kinda like that, because when you're sculpting a rock, you're gonna you're going to s- start off at maybe a place where somebody else didn't think you were, you were going to start off, and you're going to start doing things that does, don't make any sense to anyone but the sculptor. It doesn't make sense to the rock. It doesn't make sense to your friends. And and Satan is going to convince you it doesn't make any sense at all. He's going to try to. Satan is going to try and convince you and come at you and say, Hey, there's no there's no point to this. There's no system. This is chaos. What is this? What are you going through? Like you... You've been the, the the picturesque, the 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 perfect epitome of of holiness, and God is is, is doing this to you. First off, if J- Satan ever tells you you've been the picturesque per picture of holiness, he' lying. <laughs> Only Jesus was ever the picturesque picture of holiness. I'm not going to put picturesque and picture next to each other anymore. I'm going to sum up that. So, if if he's working on us, and he is shaping, and he is molding this rock, and he is turning it into who he needs you to be, okay, where's he heading with this? Let's, let's go to Zachariah here. Now, this is, a, this is the teeny book I was referring to, and so I will try finding it without too much delay, but can't make any promises. So Zechariah 13, 13, verse 9. And I will bring the third part through the fire. Refine them as silver. Refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will say, and, and, and they will say no, and I will answer them. I will say they are my people, and they will say the Lord is my God. Refine them as silver is refined. Okay, now this is really cool. Uh, I got this from from a Fra- Francis Chan um, right now media thing. Okay, how is silver refined? This is, I love this. This is wonderful stuff. So here's the way that silver was refined back in the day. I don't know how they do it anymore. Here's how they did it. Okay. The silversmith would get a pot, and he would put some silver in it, just some hunks of silver, and he would start heating it up with fire underneath the pot until it gets to the boiling point, okay? And we heat, heat it up, heat it up, heat it up, heat it up, heat it up. Eventually, what would happen is all the dirtiness, all the grime, all the impurities of the silver would rise up to the top of the silver, of the of the boiling silver. So then what he would do is he, he would, he would um, kind of lower down the heat of the fire a little bit, He would would take a spoon and scoop all the impurities out. He would scoop all the impurities out. And then he would heat it up again, heat it up again. They would rise to the top again. He would scoop all the impurities out. It would go over and over and over and over and over again, of cooling down and then heating back up so he could scoop out the impurities. And then here's how the silversmith knew that the silver was pure. The silversmith would look down into the pot of silver and see his reflection. I think you all see where where I'm going with that, is that God is working the exact same thing with us. You wonder what he's creating out of that rock? He's trying to create Jesus in us. God is trying to create Jesus in us. We all aspire to be like Jesus. Well, he aspires for us to be like Jesus too, and he's working on us so that we can be more like him. God is refining us like silver is refined so that he can see his reflection in us Jesus had to go through trials you can't like there's a there's a I, I listened to an audio by, by John Maxwell uh, the, uh, a guy came up to John Maxwell and he said hey John I, I see thousands of people here and they look like like they're all pumped and excited about you and I want that so I want to be John, John Maxwell I want to be just I want to do what you do I want to be just like you he said so John Maxwell said Um, of course you do. Everybody wants to be me. Everybody wants to do what I do. But here's the question, son. Are you willing to do what I did? Because John Maxwell didn't pop up out of nowhere. He didn't go through nothing all of a sudden. He's like, he's John Maxwell. Because we all look at the finished product and want to be like the finished product, but we forget about the process. The product comes from a process. Any product, anything, it doesn't just pop up that way, okay? It doesn't just, boop, I'm like Jesus. <laughs> boop, John Maxwell, the speaker of, of 100,000 people. I mean, it just doesn't happen. There's a process. We all look at the finished product, but we can't be that product without going through that process. And we can't be like Jesus without going through a refining stage, without going through trials, without going through some tough times, without God having to chisel away some things in our life that we thought were really important to us. And, and, and I, I understand that uh, pretty well. I understand that pretty well because th- kind of my story of how i how, how god brought me closer to him here was my synopsis on myself my my idea and this was back when i was young teens maybe in, in between the ages of of 10 to 13 somewhere in there okay tweens here was my idea that there were going to be Obstacles in life, and I knew that, and I wanted to be a warrior and overcome them. I think that a lot of a lot of us may have the mentality, and, the, and and that's awesome, and and it's normal. But I wanted to be strong. I wanted to be talented. I wanted to be skillful. I wanted to be a so I learned hard work. I was a hard worker. You know, I was trying to become a good example. So on the outward appearance, I was doing everything I could to look pretty good. So I was looking pretty good. Because I wouldn't, because I knew that I and he, I thought I was doing it for God. You know, I thought I was doing it for God. I thought that I was becoming a warrior for His kingdom. The truth is, I was becoming a warrior for myself because I thought I would look good as a warrior in God's kingdom. And so I was. So on the outward appearance, I looked great. I I I, I never said any bad words as a little kid. I did my best to be a great example. To, to, to everyone, to all, all my little siblings, and to anyone who came up and, and, and talked to me, I was trying to be a good sport when I was playing sports, and I was a hard worker, and I, I wouldn't hesitate. I would go and, and do the things that need to get done because I knew that I was the example and that I had to be a warrior. And so I was putting my faith in myself, and it seemed to be working pretty good. I thought it was working pretty good because, like I said, on the outward appearance, it I, I was, I was really maturing and becoming a better man. And the, in, the, in the end, God would use some of those skills and traits that I had built up for his glory. But it wasn't the man he needed to be, me to become because I was becoming a man independent of any help, independent of any need, therefore independent of God. And God don't work that way. He said, no, you don't work that way. And so God had to hammer me pretty hard with that hammer and that chisel. He had to hammer me really hard because here's the thing. My, my family, in case you all don't know, is dope. <laughs> and at that, at, at that point when I was about, 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 about 10, 12, 14 years old in there, I thought we were indestructible really we we were the, the the good good examples in the community and we 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 had the impact and and, and we were always going to church and, and and it wasn't just show we i think our, our family really did actually care about Jesus and we do actually care about Jesus so i thought we were indestructible and so i didn't think that so i was putting some of my a lot of my faith in my family okay my family as this awesome symbol of of who god wants us to be and then i was turning my trying to turn myself into that as well nowhere in there was i depending on god for my strength nowhere in there was i with prayer and supplication letting my request be known to god with prayer and thanksgiving nowhere in there so i was becoming a better person but i was going farther and farther from christ so what God had to do was pretty drastic. God had to take away from me that one thing that was, that was really kind of my rock. My rock was that my family, and my family is still the greatest family in the world. Y'all can put up a shut up. I don't know. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> so god had to take that away from me and, and it was pretty drastic because in the same year i don't remember when i was 12 i think i was 14 actually when i was 14 um, my two o- two older brothers both got arrested and this came out of nowhere i had no idea this was going to happen i thought that we were unconquerable I thought that we were the, the, the perfect symbol of the Christian family. I thought, that we, I thought we had it all together, and, and this blew my mind out. And here's the thing. I had always been depending on my own strength to overcome obstacles, but how am I supposed to overcome that? And God knew that. God knew he had to put me in a circumstance I could not overcome. God knew he had to take away my pillar of strength in order to make him my pillar of strength. And it it, it it broke my heart. But in that moment, I knew I've got nowhere else to go. I've got nowhere else to go, God. I need you. Everything that I had had believed to be perfect and, inf- and infallible and strong in my life had come crashing down around me. And God was all of a sudden saying, where are you going to go? Dude, I'm all you got left. And so it, it, it took that to get me down on my knees. But I got down on my knees. And I said, God, I need you. God, I've been making the wrong things the pillar and strength of my life. God, I need you to be the pillar and strength of my life. Because nothing else that I had believed in was what it was anymore. Everything had changed. And that's going to happen with all of us if we don't put our faith in where it matters. Because I think the song Reckless Love is an amazing song. But I think it should be taken dead seriously, because in that song he says, "There's no mountain you won't climb up, shadow you won't light up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, wall you won't tear down. What? Lie you won't tear down, wall you won't kick down. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I think that should be taken dead seriously." that there is nothing in your life that is sacred from God. Don't hide anything from God or make anything separate from God or God just might have to tear it out of your life and it's going to hurt. Let's save ourselves that pain and make God the rock in our life because there is nothing he won't chip away from you if it is not of him. If it takes you, because he loves you too much to let you wander away. He loves you too much to let you put your faith in something that is going to crumble and fall. So he's going to, and so if we don't make him our rock in our life, then he's going to have no choice because he loves us too much. But to break our hearts so that we can turn back to him. Because he loves us and knows what's best for us. Because he loves us and knows how much we need him even when we don't. There's another song. It, it kind of became my, my life motto. It, 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 it kind of became my motto. It's a song called Through All of It by Colton Dixon. And I'm sure I'm going to mess these lyrics up as well. But. It says, I have won and I have lost. I've got it right sometimes, sometimes I've got it wrong. Life has been a journey filled with joys and with regrets. But you have been my God through all of it. You have been my God through all of it. And that's, looking back on my life, everything I thought was stable was not stable apart from God. The only stable thing that has always been pure and right in my life has been god the only thing that does not mean that god has made my life perfect that does not mean it's all sunshine and rainbows but it does mean that we can't afford to put our hope in something else you can't afford to Because what's at the end of the road? At the end of the road is the riches in heaven. The riches in heaven, you will be blessed and God will provide and you will be eternally with God. And you can't afford to get distracted from that. Because what happens if you lose faith? What happens if the molding and shaping and sculpting process Is in vain. Because it's only ever in vain. Hear me here. It's only ever in vain if you give up. It's only ever in vain if you lose your faith and don't come back to God. Because the sculptor is going to finish. Is going to finish that image. The sculptor is going to finish that rock. Is going to finish the sculpture. The only way that he could not. Is if somehow the analogy doesn't work out that great, but if the rock sprouted legs and ran away, I mean, <laughs> if if the rock leaves, if we are not in tune with the sculptor, then we will, then we won't become pure and lacking in nothing. Now, ultimately, we will always still have sin here on this earth. Ultimately, that pure and lacking in nothing, that perfect mature person, will only come to full fruition when we're in Christ, when we're in heaven. Ultimately, that's the only place where it's going to come to full fruition. Because God is going to continue to do what it takes to draw us near. And that's why I said reckless love should be taken seriously, because He's going to kick down every single wall between you, He's going to tear down every single lie between you and he is going to ha- sometimes have to take away every single stronghold in your life that is not him if it comes down to it it takes faith it takes faith but does the rock know what's needed for the rock the rock can't just shred off its outer legs and all of a sudden be the 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 jacked up David. (laughs) It took Michelangelo to make David, and it takes God to make you. We need to trust. Speaking of that, Romans, Romans 5, flip over there real quick. takes faith. Romans 5 says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in hope the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, Hope, and hope does not disappoint. God is developing this in us. And our trials and our tribulations are building us towards that, are bringing us towards that. We need our sculptor. We need to be sculpted. We need to change. And we need God's help because on our own, you might, you might end up like I was. Because although I could maybe create some physical change where some of my traits would become stronger, ultimately, I was a weaker man because I put my faith on a weaker foundation. And you are a weaker foundation. And I am a weaker foundation. Foundation. God is the only rock solid foundation. See, God. See, I hear the the scripture Romans eight twenty eight a lot, and here's the way I've always interpreted it. Okay, and this is why sometimes it's a little hard to listen to, is because the way I've always interpreted it as is, like, imagine that there's a car crash, that somehow God will use this car crash. So that the driver uh, who who was drunk and, and 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 killed a person will come back to Christ. Somewhere along those lines. Where I've always heard Romans 8 28, for God will work it all according to his uh, will God works all things according to his good according to those who love him. I, I'm messing up all the scriptures today. I should just read it. Uh, <laughs> that's the way I've always interpreted it. But I think from what we're reading here, that's a lot more than that. God does not promise. If you read Romans 8, 28, God does not promise anything physically good will come out of it. God does not promise that he will bring someone to Christ through your trials. God does not promise that through one tragedy where somebody dies, that somebody else will come alive in Jesus Christ. There are amazing stories of that. It absolutely happens. God has the power, and he does do that. But he doesn't promise he'll do that. What God does promise is that your trials are developing perseverance. What God does promise is that perseverance creates character, character, hope. It's going to be a lot of the time, a lot of the time, your trials are going to have are 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 specifically centered around you to shape and mold you. There's not always going to be something beautiful that we can see on this earth that comes out of it. It's not always going to be that way. Sometimes, maybe, and sometimes, maybe, God will bring someone to Christ through the situation, but you may not ever meet that person. Or maybe, just maybe, your trials are so that he can develop perseverance, character, hope in you. So that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Maybe our trials aren't going to produce something beautiful that we can see. A lot of the time, they won't. But here's the thing. We are a rock, and he's the sculptor. Does the rock know what he's doing? The rock, it, you, you just, if, uh, if, if you are, there's so many different, different analogies, but I don't know why I'm choosing this one. But say there's, say there's a video game creator. I don't know. Again, I don't know why I'm choosing this one. But say there's a video game creator, right? And then you have somebody who's playing the video game for the first time. Right? You're playing the video game for the first time, trying to figure things out. You keep getting squashed by... Av- av- what are those things in coyote called? Anvils. anvils thank you. Uh, getting squashed by anvils, and you're, you're hitting roadblocks, you're getting shot up, you just don't know what you're doing. And then the guy who created the video game comes in and says, hey, follow this path. This will lead you to the in the video game, The Golden Pot at the End of the Rainbow. This will lead you where you need to go. And imagine the guy saying, Nope. I don't want that. I want to take it my own way. I uh, want to do this thing my own way. I want to take this upon my shoulders and win this thing on my own power and on my own strength. I want to win it by myself. See, here's the thing. Because when God is sculpting you, he's sculpting you and preparing you for the future that's ahead of you. Your trials today will give you clarity on your trials tomorrow. It'll give you experience so that if something like this happens again, you'll have been there. It'll, care, it'll produce character, hope. And perseverance, because here's the thing God is working on you and yourself, and that is what you can control. You cannot control how your situations are gonna affect someone else. You can't even control how what you do affects someone else. But joy is a choice, and you can control that. You can decide to put your faith in something that counts something that matters so that your joy doesn't have to be like this your joy can be sustainable because God is sustainable because Jesus did not die to forget you Jesus did not die 2,000 years ago and then stop caring he pursues you every day and there's nothing he will not kick down to pursue you Because he loves you, and he is working on you day in and day out. So we need to lean into this. There's the sculptor, and then there's the rock. As the rock, we have two choices. We can either run from the sculptor, never become a complete version of ourselves, never be like Jesus. Or we can lean into the sculpting and watch God do something awesome with us. And watch as God turns us into something that we never thought we could be and we never could have been on our own. So how, though? How do we lean into the sculpting? How do we make ourselves more vulnerable to God's shaping, to God's molding? How do we make ourselves more amiable towards this? Well, 2 Timothy has a decent answer, I think. I think the Bible thinks so, too. But whatever. 2 Timothy 3. Sixteen, seventeen. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, for training in righteousness, this is so cool, so that you may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Every good work. Everything that we want to do, everything that God has called for us to do we can equip ourselves ahead of time with this there are things coming down the road we don't know what they are but we can be prepared for it if we're in the Word. that we can ahead of time be ready for those trials and tribulations now God, God, sometimes it might still have to knock you out of something that you never saw coming, aren't prepared for, so that you're still reliant on him. But God has given this so that we may be equipped for every good work. So how can we lean into the sculptor? Well, I think that God's biggest tool to shape and mold and change us is right here. This is God's chisel. This This is how... You can say to God, God, I know you have a plan for me. I don't know what it is, but I want to be in you when it comes. So that when it comes, I will not turn away from you, but to God, I will come closer to you. You can build that foundation. You can build what your faith is in. You can build that solid foundation for joy to sit upon in this. And I know what you may be thinking because I think it too, all right? Not all of you, but, but some of you, okay? And I think it too. That the Bible doesn't usually, like, always speak to me. A lot of the time I read the Bible, maybe it's dry. You know? A lot of the time I read the Bible, but I don't understand it. And you know i I feel like i I can definitely really get in tune with God by fellowship and by prayer and by uh by, by hang, hanging around good godly people. Here's the thing: is good godly people a solid foundation? No, because look at that last word: people people. People, which means people are, in, are fallible. People can fall. People will fall, and people will fail you. So we need to build on something stronger than that. Now, God does call us to be in fellowship. God does, does call us to, to surround, our, surround ourselves with people that will spur us on towards good work. But that is not our foundation. This is infallible. This did not make mistakes. God did not accidentally put a book into the Bible. He's like, whoop, didn't mean to put that one there. That, that was just some scribbles. That was my, my doodots. And no, this has a purpose. Every page has a purpose. Now, here's the thing. There's an amazing analogy uh, for this that is, is, is also becoming just something that's, that's, that's really big That's 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 become something kind of really big in my life. Um, Something that I am trying to just still grasp. Okay, there's still more around it. What's this concept? Let me. Here it is. Okay. So here's the idea. All right. That there is a stone cutter, and I I have three different stone analogies somehow all in the same sermon. So at least it's cohesive. (laughs) <laughs> but there's a stone cutter. The idea is that when nothing seems to help, I go and I look at the stone cutter. He's hammering away at his rock, perhaps a hundred times without as much as a crack showing it. Yet at the one hundred first blow, it will split in two. And I know it was not that last blow that did it but all that came before. See, we're not going to hit a button all of a sudden and become who God wants us to be. God might have to blow at us 100 times before that 101st blow ever comes, but it's not that one. There is no one secret. There is no one thing that you can do one time and all of a sudden you're who God wants you to be because as long as you're still on this earth, God is still shaping and molding you. God is still shaping and molding you no matter as if you're on this earth, you still have a purpose. And so as well as God sometimes needing to blow at us a hundred times before something finally gets through a thick skull that 101st time, there's also something that we can do. There's something that we can do that although those 101st blows may look like they're not doing anything. On the 101st blow, you'll realize that how much those 100 blows were needed. The idea here is that the idea here is that to do the things that are easy to do, but easier not to do. One of them, reading the Bible. I understand it's easy not to do, it's very easy not to do. I, I, I fall into that all the time myself. It's very easy to get caught up. It's very easy to not see it doing anything. But just like the stonecutter who had to hit that 101 times for it to do anything, it was doing something all the way along the way. You just didn't know it until the 101st blow. And that's the same way with the Bible. Because if you sit down, read the Bible, one time decide I'm not inspired and then don't read it again, that's not the, there's no process in that there's no building in that there's no character building hope building perseverance building we have to persevere in this as well because if it takes until the 101st time before we we see it before we finally understand what god has been trying to tell us it's worth it because that verse that you never read will never pop into your head when you need it most I think that we all want that, for us to be in that moment of of anguish and be able to hit that Bible verse at it and be like, booyah. (laughs) And that is awesome, but that Bible verse will never pop into your head if you didn't read it. And I'm guilty of this myself, no question about it. But that might be the 101st blow. That moment right there might be the 101st blow. It might not come to you while you're reading the Bible. I think that we all want to be inspired while we're reading the Bible. It happens. It can happen, especially if you become practiced in reading the Bible. But it's not always going to happen. Sometimes God is going to use that verse that you read 93 blows ago and make it the 101st blow. But you had to stay diligent in pounding that stone. For it to make a difference. I'm going to end with. I'll find it later. Oh, it's right there. Ha! <laughs> I'm going to end with a story here. I might accidentally skip over a couple of. Uh, well, now, you are a stinker. I'm going to end with a story here. I might. uh Yeah. Here's the idea. There's this guy. And he is in a cabin by himself. And he's in a cabin by itself. He's living blissfully, you know. He's happy, but he ain't ain't doing much, you know. God calls to him one day in a dream. He says, hey, I I got a mission for you. Over on the hill yonder there, Yonder is a funny word, you're right? There's a boulder. This boulder is huge, okay? But here's what I want you to do, sir. I want you to push it. it says what? He says, That's right. You heard me. Go over that boulder. Push it. Just push the boulder. I says, okay, all right. And I want you. To, I want you to do that every day. Just keep pushing the boulder. That's all I'm asking. Just push that boulder. Like okay, all right. So he goes up to the first day. He starts pushing on it. Doesn't move an inch. Okay, no, nothing doing here. Okay, but he's pushing on it for eight hours that day, and it it, it doesn't it doesn't move the rock. Okay, comes back the next day. Does it again? It doesn't move the rock. Comes back the next day. Doesn't move the rock. Come back the next day. Okay, so he's pushing it every single day, but that rock ain't moving. And eventually, he starts getting discouraged. Satan comes at him and says, "Hey, dude, what you doing here?" There. This, 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 Why why are you killing yourself over this? This ain't producing anything. This ain't doing nothing. That m- rock ain't moving. So he starts getting a little discouraged. He lets off a little bit, only pushes it for a little bit every day. Eventually, he is just sick and tired of this. He's like, I've been doing this for months, and that rock hasn't moved an inch. So he goes to God, and he's, he is mad at God. He says, God, you called me to push this rock. And every day I've been pushing this rock, and I've been pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. But God, it hasn't moved. What gives? And God starts laughing. What's so funny, God? God says, who told you to move the rock? I never said move the rock. I never said to move that rock. You have a job and your job is to push that rock. Now look at yourself. He sh- puts a mirror in front of him. This guy's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. <laughs> he says, look at what has happened to you through the process. You were so focused on this, this big obstacle. You were so focused on this big monster behemoth of a thing that you thought you had to conquer. Nobody told you to conquer. Dude, you cannot move that rock. You cannot move that rock. It is not your job to move that rock, but you do have a job. I need you to push that rock. I need you to push that rock, and through that, I have developed perseverance in you, and through that has been developed character, also in this case, muscles, (laughs) all of which are things that I can use. Stop trying to move the rock. I never told you to move the rock. I never did. Never told you to move the rock. Just push that rock. Okay? Galatians 6 9. Galatians 6 9 says, Let us not grow weary in doing good. For at the end, we will reap the harvest if we do not give up. Do not grow weary in doing good, for you will reap the harvest if you do not give up. If you do not give up, God will develop perseverance in you. If you do not give up, God will draw you closer to him. If you do not give up, God will develop you into the image of Jesus Christ. If you do not give up. Stop trying to move that rock. As Bob Newhart once said famously... Stop it. Just stop it. It's a waste. If you do not give up, there is no waste. When Satan comes at you saying, it's no use. When Satan comes at you saying, give up. Tell Satan, no, because your faith does not come in the moving of the rock. Your faith comes in the God who moves the rock. Draw a line in the sand and say, not today, Satan. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all my needs. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You cannot convince me, Satan, that this is too big for my God. You cannot convince me that this is hopeless because I know that my God is sovereign. I know he is. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. His love will never run dry. And I know because 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago and he came and he died for me. Me, Satan, not for you. He killed you. And I will serve him every day for the rest of my life. Because nothing is too big for God. Nothing is too big for God. So I look forward to pushing that rock. Because I know that it is just molding me. To become complete in the image of Christ. So I will keep pushing. Because I know that one day I'm going to watch as my God, in all his glory, and all of his majesty, moves the rock. Dear God, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for for everything that has happened in my life. And maybe I didn't understand. Some of it I understand in part now. Some of it I may never understand until I see your face. And know that all of us in the room have gone through things. And all of us still have more things to go through. So God, I pray to you. We will take joy in the process knowing that you are sovereign, knowing that you are shaping and molding us to become like your son, Jesus Christ, knowing that it is not hopeless because we have our faith in you, God.